You are listening to Radio Ramadan 365 Podcasts. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, the entirely merciful, the especially merciful. Iqra' bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq. Recite in the name of your Lord who created. Created man from a clinging substance. Recite, and your Lord is the most generous. Who taught by the pen. Taught man that which he knew not. No, but indeed man transgresses because he sees himself self-sufficient. Indeed, to your Lord is the return. Have you seen the one who forbids a servant when he prays? Have you seen if he is upon guidance or enjoins righteousness? Have you seen if he denies and turns away? Does he not know that Allah sees? No, if he does not desist, we will surely drag him by the forelock. A lying, sinning forelock. Then let him call his associates. We will call the angels of hell. No, do not obey him, but prostrate and draw near to Allah. Your host Zubair Akram with another reflections with Sheikh Ridwan Muhammad, my guest. Surah Alak is uh, what we uh, have been doing uh, in this month of Ramadan so far, first five ayahs, and inshallah we'll go straight into the sixth ayah. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. Alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Sheikh, this Kalla innal insana la yatagha ar'ahustagna. Uh, mm-hmm. No, surely man transgresses, for mm-hmm. he believes himself to be self-sufficient. Um, that now, the transgression is due to his feeling of self-sufficiency. Mm-hmm. And surely we are asked to, um, we are asked to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we, we are uh, to make us ghani. So once you are ghani, uh, you constantly ask for ghina, and once you are Ghani, there is a danger that you will transgress. How, mm. yeah, so, the, you know, the, this balance, 
of how do we, where do we stop? Where do we, um, where, where do we stop asking for Rina? Is it something that we should do or uh, we continue asking for Rina, but we mm. don't become um, uh, Tari? <laughs> So I I can see where your your ocean of confusion is coming from because mm-hmm. you know it's you know the Prophet said that the the strong believer is is more beloved to Isaac Allah than the weak believer in strength relates sometimes to um, financial power ghina. Um the Prophet said said inna nafs. So he said that real um, riches are riches that relate to the soul i mean expansive and generous and so on and so forth you can have little but you can be generous and you can be mm. rich through that relatively mm. you know in your own mind so the whole issue of rena and even the prophet in fact just off from my head the, the prophet said there's no sadaqa illa ala rena. there's you don't give charity and, and meaning here it actually means zakat unless you are of a certain um, wealth, you have a certain amount of wealth. So rena is something that is good in some way because it indicates self-sufficiency. You're not a person raising up your hand, seeking help from other people. You know, so there's something there that you could probably say is 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 civilizationally very important for us to be strong, financially self-sufficient, being able to help people. Um, you know, even though it's not the core and reason for our existence, it's important. The the chapter, obviously, the first five chapter verses of Surah Tiqra are all related to the process of revelation, the, the wisdom of it, and setting the stall for the whole 23 years of revelation the Prophet will receive. And then the themes of that are all in some way, I think you could probably argue that they're all, in, in, there is an inception of those ideas, everything of the Quran in the first five verses, all focused on ilm, on knowledge, on um, you know, reciting and, and promulgating and and being a, a, a civilization. We said last session, I think we talked about Islam being a, a knowledge civilization by its very nature. And there must be some kind of connection of that to what comes afterwards. So if we think about Allah saying, Iqra' bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq, all the way to um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying, taught man that which they did not know. So there must be a benefit of that. Like the thing that God taught you that you did not know, there must be a benefit of it. Like God is, you know, essentially God is saying, um, this book is a book of guidance, it's a furqan, you know, everything you can think about the Quran describing itself as, it is that. And the purpose of that is to be a benefit to you. The reason why that's a benefit to you is because you had lack of knowledge at the beginning. The, the, The metaphor is exactly the same as a child being taught for their own benefit, even though they don't know. So there must be something essential that God knows about the human being, that God knows about the the deep psychological makeup of ourselves, physiological, psychological, material, spiritual, that God knows as the creator of us, that we overlook. You see where I'm going with this? I think I think I'm go- I know where I'm going with this, which is there's blind spots for you and me of our own being. Yep, the the, the, the Johari's window, as they call it, right? So there's yes. some you you know that you know, and then people know what you don't know about you, <laughs> and there's a quadrant that no one knows, only God knows. 
Yeah, that's Roman Donald Rumsfeld's famous, and he had he had a he had he had a variation of that um, very famously about the Iraq War and about the um, the weapons of mass destruction. So you know, there's a whole thing that is, is a blind spot, and this is why Imam Ghazali he always says that you know to understand because this actually goes to consider yourself istighna in a mustaghni, which is not in need of anything, is a spirit deep spiritual disease. Okay, and essentially, this the, after having set down the fact that knowledge is the core of our religious tradition, and without knowledge, without understanding, and without basing things not on rhetoric, not on um, you know slogans, not on might, but on the pen, then at that point you can you can start to remedy things. You know, you can't just shout and try to remedy things. You can't hit somebody and remedy things. You can't. Um, for somebody and remedy things, we know that it, it's something that never works. So what the Quran is saying that doesn't work in the in the world. Like oppression cannot be, you know, cannot lead to security. Cannot lead to a you know a, a society which is content with itself. You know, oppression doesn't do that. Injustice doesn't do that. So at some point there will be victory for those people. At some point there will be rec recompense for the people that are oppressive. So this. Um, Move is a segue. It's called like a segue. It's like a, a connection to, indeed, Allah says kalla. Kalla is like you use this in Arabic, and this is actually one of the signs that um, Imam Suti mentions in his Al um, Itqan and Zarkashi before him mentioned. Words like kalla, you know, particles like kalla, indicate the Meccan nature of what you're reading in the Quran, because it has a very strong wake up element to it which is and in fact in English you can't I don't know what translation you use but it's very very difficult to convey um and they use something like, things like nay why of why of course not or um no way it's very difficult to convey that in English kalla is like nay <laughs> it's not nay it's like in Arabic it's like oh my god what is happening to people wake up people like kalla mm, like kalla kalla so kalla only happens when something you've you've stated something like Hargiznahi. But you only understand that if somebody has done something and has said something that you have to say, Harkisnahi, you no way this is not happening, no way. not in my Hargiz, watch. No way. Bilkul. Okay, what happened before this? Hmm. What was in the what is in the revelation before this that requires Allah to say Kalla in al insana that indeed this human being, an insan, who has this the quality of forgetfulness and has this quality of sociability and has this quality of, of deep comprehension and understanding, that person thinks that they are istaghna, mustaghni, is self-sufficient. Mm. Because yeah. of yeah. what? Because of their forgetfulness. Because, because, because of their... He, he, he taught us what we did not know. Yes. So this is going wow. to be of it. This is going to be some of it. But look at the in insana layatra. Allah mentions insan, and it's for the reason that the human being has this capacity of nisyan. Like you think when things are going well, you think you're mustaghni, you're self-sufficient. Because mm -hmm. you forgot that you're not. But guess what? This is self-grandeur, the mind becomes so empowered by its own um, you know, kind of choice and volition and power that it says. I'm mustaghni, I'm self-sufficient. I don't need anything. I don't need God. I don't need anything except myself. 
Mm. And there's also this idea of human beings as communities, they feel, you know, as a civilization, because uh, uns is, is, indicates in, in, in a civilizational aspect of it. As a civilization, we build so much that we think we are self-sufficient. Think of all the great nations of the past essentially ended up worshipping themselves, creating their own idols, because they felt as a civilization, we are we are free of any divine help, need, intervention, any need to worship and go back to our source. And also this idea of intellectually, remember these are three things I mentioned previously, but mm. Insani, Imam Raghab Asfahani mentions this in his in, in his Imam Farozabari, sorry, he mentioned this in his Kitab al Basair on Tafsir. A very rare tafsir, it's a very um, excellent tafsir if everyone, anyone wants to, you know, knows Arabic, it's worth getting. Um, these are three things he mentions forgetfulness, sociability, which is related to civilization, and this idea of inas, which is related to intellectual capacity and thinking. All of these precipitate the fact that we think that we are self sufficient. Hmm. And this is, you know, kalla inna al insana la yatagha is this idea of overstepping the mark. Hmm. Being taghi. Taghi in Arabic is this idea whose, which is like this injustice. You know, this, this avalanche of... Yeah, of, everything is it's almost like a tsunami. This is it. Taghiyan is like this over overwhelming sense of entitlement that people have. And which with it comes injustice, oppression... Um, you know, might is right. Everything comes with this. The human being has overstepped the mark, and this is what is going to be related to this idea of knowledge. If God is telling you what you did not know, it's something that you do not know, which is internal to yourself, which is your frailties as a human being, hmm. frailties as a civilization. So a civilization can be strong militarily, economically. It can at that point cannot consider itself to be self-sufficient because it's really reliant on Allah. Human so beings. Self-sufficiency is, is related to the, the knowledge, right? Because knowledge mm -hmm. is power. Knowledge brings you prosperity. Knowledge brings you awareness. Knowledge is something that takes you from A to B. Mm -hmm. So is, is it the, the relation of Turian is over emphasis on the knowledge we possess, we have, and things we can do? Yeah, so this is the, this is the thing I was saying. When Allah says, إِنَّ الْإِنسَانَ The human being is... In a state of tughiyan, yeah, oppression, oppression of himself and others. If you look at it from the three perspectives, you forget who you are, your origin, and then when you forget who you are, you think you're you self sufficient, you live forever. And mm -hmm. then you know, in in that aspect, also is the fact that you forget your frailties, you for, mm -hmm. you forget your blind spots. This is why Imam Ghazali said that every single person has to have something, some means by which they can find out their own ailments, spiritual ailments. And he said. At the core of that is having a a teacher who is perceptive of the feelings of the nafs. And he said, if you can't have that, then have a, a a brother or sister who is critical of you to the point that they show you your frailties, but out of sincerity. And then mm. Imam Ghazali, rahimahullah, he says that, um, um, I think he was mentioning about um, your enemies see, find out what your enemies say and see if anything out of that is has any inkling of um, truth, and then that will show you your free frailty as well, your feelings as well. Hmm. And he also said the way to one, I think the fourth one was that if you interact with people, 
you will see the frailties in other people, so you won't replicate them in yourself. So you hmm. you mix with people and you see this person's miserly, this person's arrogant, this person is that. So you see that I don't like that. Okay, I'm not hmm. going to do it. So there's four paths that Imam Ghazali mentions. This is all from ilm. It's all Shef, from knowledge. Can, 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 we, can we repeat those four things? Uh, one is interaction with people. Other is... Uh, have, so this is off a... my top of my head. I'm, I'm sure Imam Ghazali yeah. said a teacher. A teacher. This is an order, actually. Let me put an order. Um, it's a teacher, a sheikh. Mm-hmm. Basir, which is a sheikh that has deep perception of the feelings of human beings. And then mm-hmm. they, they, they guide you on that. And mm. if not, then a, a, a sincere brother, friend, sister, mm. who is sincere to the point of showing you your frailties. Let's like Sayyidina Umar and Abu, Abu, Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiyallahu anhumah. Sayyidina mm. Umar used to keep him with him because he used to always keep him straight. You know, every mm. time he felt that he was being lax, he would say, Umar. Mm-hmm. He just said, mm-hmm. know your place. You, do you understand how mm-hmm. how how happy is a person that has that kind of person? And then the third was um, looking at the the, frail, the the feelings of other people, mm-hmm. and then not replicating yourself. And the last was it could be the other way around. The last two could be the other way around, but the, the last two were that and looking at what your enemies say because there may be truth. Maybe truth. Amongst the animosity and the vendettas and the, yeah. and the agendas, they may, exploit, they may be exploiting your weakness, but nevertheless, the weakness is there. Exactly. I mean, that's why not get it from the people that will look for your weaknesses. Yeah. Exactly. There's nothing better. In fact, they, yeah. you know, like in um, in tech, they they employ people to hack into companies. Like companies yeah. employ people to hack into into their companies, which sounds stupid, but essentially, they're there to play the devil's devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. You understand? True, true. Sheikh, uh, th- this knowledge it says, uh, it says, who taught by the pen and taught man what he did not know. Mm. This is a translation, right? What yeah, ma la ya'lam. Ma is, you know, is, a, is a, has ambiguity. Mm. Um, you know, Matt means any everything you can think of. That is what God taught God, God taught man. It can include material, scientific. It can include it can include things about your own self, the nafs, um, insights into those things, and insights into what the ruh is. You know, according mm-hmm. to one of two opinions, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. So that is it's such a general, inclusive um, statement that. It means there's nothing outside the realm of what God taught us. Malam. Ma lam ya. So anything you did not like, what did you know when you were born? Nothing. Hmm. So the process of you learning is from somebody else, isn't it? Hmm. Hmm. Like whoever gave you something of knowledge got it or gave it to you. That person came into the world not knowing anything, they got it from somebody else. That mm. person who came into the earth came in, and then you think, you know, it's like at this point there's an explosion of people learning from each other, mm. and then if you keep going back, there's this idea: okay, where did it come from? You know, mm. where did the initial impulse of knowledge come from itself? It's a proof mm. that Allah exists. You know, if you want to start to go into that realm, this is a perfect proof that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala exists, because there has to be a source to the impulse of knowing. Hmm. itself so in this verse last verse is actually we just 
realize, I don't know if any scholars mentioned that, but that is a proof that God exists because the whole idea of not having knowledge now presupposes that that came from something else and that came from mm-hmm. somewhere else and it came from somewhere There has to be, you know, this is why in, in logic they say that, you know, anything that has a beginning has a cause. Your knowledge had a beginning. The person who taught you knowledge has had a beginning. The person who taught you that taught you that taught you had a beginning at some point, unless you go into infinity, which you can't because of mm. the Big Bang Theory, for example, or the impossibility of an of, of a unending regress into the past. You have to mm. say that came out of something that's external mm. to the human beings or external to yeah. the, the, unit, the material world, which is Allah. And there you go, bang. And then at that point, Allah says, look, I exist. I taught you what you don't know. Don't know. Kalla, despite the proof that I have given you, innal insan, despite it, the human being is still arrogant and vicious mm. in, in his arrogance. <laughs> because he mm. sees himself that he did it all himself. Istagna. Mm. Mm. Um, <clears throat> this concept of gender equality this concept of um why what's the intent I, I i keep asking myself what's the intent that it has to be explained all the time throughout the history uh that oh no, no it's not just for men it's for women as well so women mm-hmm. becomes <clears throat> a point of discussion in every civilization in every mm-hmm. age and emancipation of women, uh, I mean, it's a loaded term, emancipation of women, but okay, so, you know, th- their rights, uh, or yeah, they exist, or they are equal, uh, you know, and, and this, in this as well, Allah mal insana malam yalam, okay, the translation again is taught man, who, what he, and there is every society in, in our society as well, there is this disparity of what women know and what men know. Mm. What was, what, I'm trying to understand. There must be a divine intent for this to become a topic. Hmm. I mean, the, the the verse is about insan. Insan is the human human being, meaning the the meaning this is a human, male and female. This is kallat insan alayatra. It doesn't mean all the males of society, and then all all of a sudden females are um, ex- excluded from this discussion. They're actually internal to this discussion as well. And in our in in our um, tradition, it's very interesting that the female voice and the, the education and empowerment of the female voice from the time the Prophet was very pronounced, extremely pronounced. More you could not make it more pronounced. The Quran quotes the complaints of of women against their husbands, for example. You know, in other words, making their conversations recited and studied and taught. We know that the Prophet Ali Salat was in the battle in, in during the, the instance of Hudaybiyah was 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 inspired by Allah, created the situation where the thing that would um, remedy the whole problem of Hudaybiyah, which was the Prophet said to people, we're going back to Medina after having intended to do Umrah, and the companions were extremely upset about this. He told them to sacrifice animals, shave their hair. He, they didn't do it. And he went to his, his tent. Um, uh, um Salma was there and he said, this is the situation. I don't know what to do. Allah inspired him to say that and inspired Um Salama to say, go out and do it. So the impairment of women was something in, internal. Aisha radiallahu anha said a couple of days ago, the Prophet said in one of the narrations from him, related in, in some narrations, that he said, take half your religion from Aisha radiallahu anha. And so that continued. The impairment and is, is a modern discussion, but 
Islam in, in its inception, at the time the Quran was revealed, was instilled with this idea of um, raising the literacy of everybody mm. uh, with that, that there's all these barriers of what we now call gender, what we call now race, what we now call um, social class, uh, ethnic, ethnicity. To, to be so revolutionary at that time is actually is 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 um is humbling for us that the Quran from the Prophet had such a revolutionary thing that it just was out of every expectation anybody would have had. Like there's no precedence for any of this. Gender being being kind of overlooked and race, ethnicity, language, all of this for the for the main reason of focusing on taqwa, of God consciousness and good actions. Mm-hmm. And this is why, you know, it's interesting that Iqra, we go back to Iqra, the fact that Allah says to the Prophet read, read a knowledge civilization. One of the things that always has puzzled me is the fact that um, if you if I go to my library, I don't have, unfortunately, I have nothing here, but if you go around that Islamic library, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll struggle to take one book out from previous to 1960, which is written by a Muslim woman. Mm-hmm. And, and you know my library is extensive. Hmm. I, I go through all those books. I'll, I'll st- I mean, I'm, I've, I've got two. I know of, I could go straight away and pick them. But before 1960s, nothing. And so there's this whole, there is a whole, um, you know, discussion about iqra, the impairment of education. Then why is the whole thing missing? You know, you know. But the, the reality is, it's, 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 it's slightly complicated, but it's not um, unknown. Why that took place, you know. One thing that did not take happen is that women in our tradition stopped the most important acts of literacy in our tradition, which is the Quran and Sunnah. In other words, they continue to this day to preserve and read and recite and teach the Quran and Sunnah of the Prophet. Mm -hmm. It's a given, like teaching, I'm saying reciting and memorizing. So, you know, when I was in Damascus, one of my teachers, um, Sheikh Nurtin Ita Rahimahullah passed away last year he he um he had a whole generation of, of students female students that had memorized the six books of hadith mm. and that was a, a rarity amongst men and they did it mm. Mm. and the number of in in in, in a sham the number of women that have joined the the mutawatir qiraat are i think i would say probably more than men mm. You understand? So the core literacy is is there, but it's not written. Like if you say, where's the book they wrote? Well, ask her to read. She she preserves the tradition. And the, the thing about why it's not written is a different thing. This is why it's slightly complicated. It's related to, my personal thing is understanding it's related to reproduction. It's related to just the way that family units are, are um, balanced. But, but that, that is the intent, isn't it? Why do we have to fight the intent of nature? Why do we have to fight the intent of God? This is how it's not he, the intent of God, yes. I understand what you're saying, intent of God. But I wouldn't say it's the intent of God. I'm saying it's the natural way that the intent of, of societies, I'm talking about, um, I'm talking about healthy societies. Hmm. So we're in a very unhealthy society at this moment in time. I, I personally believe that very clearly. The the, the the we're patching it up, but it's a very unhealthy society in terms of the issues of gender and things and and um, empowerment and all these kind of things. But essentially, scholarship and writing came out of I would say privilege. Let's say that came out of the ability to have time and division of labor is very important. In this the, the reproductive cycle is very important in this. 
that a person is set aside and given a stipend or a scholarship to sit aside and write. That's what happened in the past. So like Imam Ghazali, when he wrote a book, he would always say, I would like to thank you know, such and such a, um, a governor for allowing me. And he would say that because he'd sponsored the book. Hmm. Do you understand? And to get to be able to be sponsored, you have to obviously be mutafarriq. And if you're, if, you know, if you're married and a female, it, it, the, the same social, you know, access wasn't there. It doesn't mean it's oppressive. It just means that's how society was, mm-hmm. but it was a healthy society. So we shouldn't look back and say, well, why didn't women not write? Because just for that reason, and it doesn't have to be like this now, but for that reason, there wasn't the ability for women to be setting sitting aside and authoring and ignoring the kind of the natural, you know, kind of callings of a family life and service to their wider community through oral teaching, for example. And I think that is the thing that nobody really talks about because people say, well, women, you know, women had these scholars and so on and so forth, but they didn't, why did they not write? If you're saying lots of women narrated hadith, but why is it not right? I think that's probably the most interesting. So Iqra still pervades both males and females, and I think in Islamic civilization. In the name of Allah, the entirely merciful, the especially merciful. No, but indeed, man transgresses. Because he sees himself self-sufficient. Indeed, to your Lord is the return. Have you seen the one who forbids? A servant when he prays. Have you seen if he is upon guidance? Or enjoins righteousness? Have you seen if he denies and turns away? Does he not know that Allah sees? No, if he does not desist, we will surely drag him by the forelock. A lying, sinning forelock. Then let him call his associates. We will call the angels of hell. No, do not obey him, but prostrate and draw near to Allah. Alhamdulillah, we've um, covered a few themes um, around these ayahs, knowledge, um, how big a gift that is, and how what's istighna. Today, we, we, we covered istighna. <clears throat> Prior mm-hmm. to that, there was, um, and what's um, also, what's the meaning of 
being tari. What's the meaning of um, is uh, you know uh, tari, tari, tari? Yeah, what's the meaning of tari? The, um, turbulence, I would say. Uh, extreme form of turbulence, uh, in extreme form, of just like tsunami, and a feeling of self-sufficiency to an extent that you do everything and you're responsible for all your successes. And when that feeling arrives in a human being, how destructive that is. Before that, the, the one of the most important things that we learned uh, in this series of um, podcasts was the daruj, the, the, the gradualness the nature uh, of gradualness in this uh, in this life how important it is how of how much of a role it plays in us in success of one's life in nation's life uh, or in uh, in an individual <coughs> life so sheikh tadarruj tadarruj can we just make a step back a connection between mm-hmm. istighna and tadarruj istighna and tadarruj um well, the obvious thing is that you make a jump. Tadaruj is all about gradation and understanding each step of your journey, of your knowledge journey, and then getting to the point that you realize, okay, you are in need of something else. It's based upon the fact that you're a you're a project. You're you're a, you're a you're a project in 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 motion. You are something that is a work in progress, as we say, and that work in progress requires external help, which is Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. You cannot do this yourself. You cannot develop yourself. You cannot educate yourself. You cannot grow as a society yourself. All these things are part and parcel of tadarruj, which is such an important, you know, concept, which has been going on for the last twelve sessions. We've been doing iqra, surat iqra, alaq. We've been talking about tadarruj. It came up because of the whole piecemeal rev- revelation. Um, if you don't mind, I'm going to go off topic slightly because um, yeah. you know that we did we did an off top we did we I think you asked me about this whole issue of Hamza Yusuf, mm. and uh, it was unscripted. We just I just gave you my opinion. I, I didn't want to talk about it, but apparently there was a lot of um, um, f- feedback on that, which I thought was interesting because it, it, the reason it was interesting because somebody actually made a video about that video, which actually the issue was that that video was released edited and it was cut out of the context of what we were talking about it was about to Daruj. and so there was a two people that made you know inshallah sincere people made a, um, a video about the, this whole controversy which they have the right to do but also i think they misrepresented very clearly what i was saying in fact at the end of the video that was made on that one of the one of the presenters said he hadn't watched my what i said he just heard heard it so i think it was it was interesting. So I asked one of my students, I asked her to look at the video, look at the criticisms of people that are generally reading and talking about this and just, you know, summarize what she felt were the main criticisms that came out of it. And, you know, she said, well, there's a whole discussion about Tadaruj in that video. It was out of context. So I don't think the people knew what the issue of Tadaruj was, but there was three points she said. And I think it is important to go through them because um, the community needs to know this idea of the gradation of knowledge they have to know the things that are things that are spoken about are spoken about in in a in a in a way that you systematically address a situation <clears throat> and i think the first thing that came out was you know i'm naive in my understanding of lgbt issues so the first thing that was the first thing so the issue there is quite an interesting that i've um in last summer i don't know if you noticed about it, i was barred from speaking at glasgow university on gender um wow. Yes, okay. I was, was barred. So Gumsa and the Students Union and 
there's a whole thing there. You know, my kids schooling situation, my schooling kids as well. The whole issue of gender and my opposition to that. In 2007, 2018, I spoke in Birmingham at on an issue of the Religious and Sex Education Act. Um, over a thousand people. I think it's the biggest public gathering, public meeting on this topic in Birmingham, uh, organised by Sheikh Aslam, Allah protect him, preserve him. Um, in which Dr. Kate um, Godfrey Fawcett spoke, and she was subsequently suspended from the British Psychological Society. And what was interesting, I went down from Scotland to speak at that. There was only two other scholars that agreed to speak on that, even though many more were um, invited. You know, so, you know, I'm not naive about these issues. I've, I've been speaking about relativism, the corrosion of identity, and the fact that this stops us from, you know, commanding the good and forbidding evil, you know. And in terms of teaching, I've taught, I've taught a course on gender four times in the last ten years. I've, you know, got a twelve-session course on gender, and you know, three hours of Q and A after that. Did it last year. I've got a series in Condover Hall. We had a series of lectures on this topic of gender as well, raising awareness of it. And more widely, I've we've been speaking just, I think it was about six months ago, I did a whole course about Islam in, 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 in the West, which mm. was talking about identity politics, the danger of identity politics, and the gender issue is one aspect of that. So I think this issue of naivety that I don't know what I'm talking about, of gender, and the fact that I, I'm naive, I've been con consistent in raising this issue. I met with the Muslim Council of Scotland at, in, impl imploring them in 2018 mm. to do something about this RSE. And they said that they didn't feel that they they didn't feel that they could do this publicly. Mm, yeah. Okay. So I've been, you know this, I've been doing yeah, that for yes, uh, 10 years. And everyone said, you know, scholars have said to me, I've met scholars all the time, said, well, Sheikh, why are you doing so such divisive topics? Mm, and I mm. said, well, I think that they want... Someone to needs to speak. Someone about. needs to speak. Someone needs to speak. So I think this issue of naivety, you know, you can attack me wherever you want. I'm not naive about the topics. And I would challenge anybody to, to name a scholar in the UK who is more read up and clued up on the issue of gender. That's the first thing. Mm. The second mm. thing was personal motives. A lot of, she said that the other thing was you've got personal motive here. Look, mm. one, one of my teachers, my teacher, Sheikh Saleh Farfour, and this has been my um, kind of calling card and issue of issues of politics and and power, which is he... He was used to be visited by the the Prime Minister of um, Syria, the, the, the mm. Democratic Republic of Syria, in the sixties. Um, Shukri Kawutli, who was the, who was very, and, and people considered to be um, generally a good leader at the time, he used to visit Sheikh Saleh, and Sheikh Saleh used to make a point of leaving the house just before he came to visit him. You know, the president's coming, and obviously you're going to be prepared and you're going to welcome him. He used to leave. He used to go into the marketplace. And used to go and meet people, and used to make the president wait for him. And when he came in, the president would be seated in the house, and he would have to stand up for Sheikh Saleh. Hmm. And his son told me, he said, "I asked my father. This has happened two times. I've seen this. Why did you do this?" He says, "Because this person has power. He will never be humbled except by me." Hmm. And so, hmm. you know, that we had this um, al khidma dinner. Was it al khidma the charity yeah, yeah. dinner? Yes. You remember there was a table for me. Yeah, and I didn't sit at it. Remember yes, the, the VIP? You remember that? I know that. And you looked very I, I, upset. I, 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 I know the people sitting there, but yes. Yeah. So the reason I do that, and this is across the board, because I do not do not give this image 
that I'm there to anybody of power, wealth, authority, political office. I generally stay a very distant um, place with them. Every single politician, they know that. But, the politicians but the, but know the, that. But the question is, the question is that people have said Muslim community is generally very upset, the, the, the practicing one. They're very upset with Hamza and his stance. No, no. So, so what I'm doing, yeah. So what I'm doing is, so, and this, you seem to have uh, kind of supported him. No. So the point here is, the the, the third point I would say is, I have this I, this idea that I'm a personal friend of Hamza Yusuf. I know Hamza yeah. Yusuf. Yeah. In the last, I would say, eight or nine years, I probably met him four times. Three of three of those yeah. times has been in passing in a, in a general, and this is we're in the same country, the same yeah. city. And we're very active, and and before yep. that, probably two thousand nine, we were both, you know, Gumsa presidents, Muslim society, and so the reason that people say all this is there's no personal motive. The reason for that distance I have with politicians, and I'll give you another story. You know, we, we I wrote this, drafted this um, document, the shared values document between Christianity and Islam, and um, published by the Church of Scotland and the Islamic Finance Council. I I delivered that. In just out in the outskirts of Edinburgh, I finished it. There was a reception hosted by the Scottish government, in which there was Nicola Sturgeon, there was Hamza Yusuf. Everybody invited me to go, and I was I was obviously the person who drafted and probably the the person who is responsible for the whole thing. I was at the train station. I think it was not he, the one before Haymarket. Two hmm. stations to the left is um, the the main station of Edinburgh to get to the reception at Edinburgh Castle. And the other is to Glasgow, to Heinland, which is my house, to pick up my son. I swear by Allah, what came to me is I do not make power cause me to decide what to do. So I went to pick mm. my son up. My wife knows this as well. She said, you're supposed to be the, 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 the castle. I said, no, I'm not the castle. I'm picking my son up. The reason for all this is that when I advise somebody, I do it not out of personal motive. Okay. So then you come to this whole idea of why did I do this? So this is the third point. She said, well... You know, and this, in fact, this is quite embarrassing because scholars have contacted me saying, "Oh, we're really confused." And I said, "If you're educated, you will not be confused, mm-hmm. because this issue of takfir, which is the third point, is actually very, very important. A person who is illiterate to give a fatwa in public on the on the excommunication of a specific individual, the 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 fitna of that in a public on a public context is something you as a community do not want to open." Because this person who made this video, he made a video about somebody else. There was a mufti in um, Birmingham, and he did something. He said something about Palestine. He incited people, and as a result, he was, his family was attacked at night. Hmm. Okay, so this person has a track record of doing this. And if you, as a community, hmm. cannot understand that there is there's there is some kind of method and procedure to doing this, and we're not uncivilized, you really need to rectify yourself in terms of priorities so if you if you think about what's happening here there's a there's a real world danger here first of all it's a religious mm-hmm. danger as well the moment that you start to say someone's a kafir the problem said that comes back to one of you that should re- lead to a person not making a personal attack of kufr on somebody but he can do mm-hmm. other things and this is why i was saying that there is there's limited benefit in making a personal attack but mm-hmm. There's a benefit if that person who had made this video that I spoke about had said a specific statement is kufr, ahlan wa sahlan, I would have supported him wholeheartedly. I would have made any video at all because 
that's what we teach. In fact, if you want to know what, what I, I'm teaching, I'm teaching a book in Aqidah, Imam Abu Hanifa's Fiqh al-Akbar, with the commentary of Mirnasawi and Al-Qari. At this moment in time, you can ask the students that are doing this course, at this moment in time, the lessons they're doing, they're doing are on takfir and the mm. complexities of takfir. So it's not as if I don't know this topic. The students that are knowing, doing it will know if, I, if I'm lying or not. They're doing it. And so the reason why I was making that caveat is because I am sworn by the knowledge that I have been given by Allah. Through my teachers, they have asked me to do this. In other words, to convey what I know, and that's this is what I'm doing. The whole point is that there's so much ambiguity here over making a public statement of the kufr of an individual. I'm not talking about a statement. You can say, for example, that person who says that if a Muslim um, has the act of homosexual intercourse, a male with a male, if a Muslim does that and says that it's not a sin, that statement is kufr. That is absolutely true. That was not what was said. Okay, that statement is kufr. Now, mm. the whole thing here is, is that until we verify that, and unfortunately, um, I'm sorry to say to this community and to everybody listening, there is a procedure to these things. Yeah, There has to be a procedure to these things. Otherwise, you'll just end up um, lynching people. And the reason why there's a, there's a system to this is that there's so many possibilities here. If, if you assume something from somebody else, in fiqh is well known in usul, just because something is implied by something, it doesn't mean you can you can make that jump. It's well known. If you're a scholar, you'll know what I'm talking about. There's also a distinction between a statement of kufr and the person being kafir. It's well known. This is like children's level scholarship. Even this idea of something being known out of religion, out of necessity. You know, we we talk of say a thing, Hmm. Ibn Taymiyyah says so many times that this varies based upon time and place. That a person in society's knowledge of this, Ibn Taymiyyah has mentioned this numerous times. And also, you know, if you look at any book of basic creed, and this is what we studied and this is what, you know, we die on. Imam Tahawi, for example, says that لا يخرج المرء من الإسلام إلا بإنكار ما أدخله فيه or something around along those lines. A person does not leave Islam except by denying the thing that brought them into it. Okay? Yeah. And also Al-Ghazali, he says that, you know, there's a kind of isma, al-ismat al-mustafadu, min la ilaha illallah, la yarfa'u wa la yazulu illa biqati'in, that the, the protection you get by saying la ilaha illallah is not removed except by something that is absolute. Okay? Hmm. Now, that means we go to procedure. And if the community don't like this, that's fine. But there is a procedure to all these things. And so don't say that, you know, um, giving nuance to this is being naive. Don't say that it's, it's personal um, affinity to an individual person. This is fiqh. This is our religion. If you don't like it, there's other religions. But this is what we built over on the pro, on the, on the back of iqra bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq, the whole civilization of ilm, which is, you know, Ibn Taymiyyah, he said that you cannot establish the takfir of anybody until you establish definitively the proof against the person and you remove any doubt the person may have had over what they've said hmm. and also doubt that you have over what they've said hmm. because you know give you examples this will you know 
at the time of Sayyidina Umar, there was Muslims who believed that the drinking wine was permissible. This is really about Al-Hakim and Isa'in and the Sunan collections. Well, no, he did not declare takfir on those people until... And if, if somebody can tell me here, listening to this in Glasgow or wherever they're listening, that no, that people do not know that wine is haram. Hmm. Hmm. And, you know, even, you know, Zubair, look, you know, the issue of the Ridda, you know, saying that Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he, he fought the, the, the battle of Ridda. Do you know why he fought the battle, the, the battles of Ridda, the wars of yeah, Ridda? The Zakat thing. And why did, why did he fight them? Because, because they, they weren't paying. Yeah. They left Islam. Islam. No, they didn't. That's not the reason he fought. No, no, they, they they did not. They just refused a, a commandment, which was that they, they refused to pay zakat. Yeah. So what does that mean? Make them. Mm, tari. Tari. So the interesting here is I I've t- talked about this many times that when Sayyidina Abu Bakr fought the the the, the, the battles of apostasy. There was two types of battles of apostasy. There was battles of apostasy, which were um, which were which were waged against people like Tuhid Tulayha, um, Al Azadi, for example, from Yemen, who didn't who went back to worshiping idols, which was based upon kufr. And the second type, and Imam Shafi'i mentions this in his Kitab Al Om, it's well known that he mentions this. There's two types of ridda. One is ridda from the faith, and one is ridda from uh, essentially doing something that was known that it should be done, that was done for the Prophet but they denied it. Hmm. And yeah. so you have a very interesting situation where the procedural issue has to be met. And the other thing is shubha. You know, just you're probably people probably thinking, well, no, it's clear, but it's not clear according to the procedure for you to say this person is a kafir. Hmm. Hmm. It's clear to say this statement is kufr. Okay. And the reason yes. why I'm saying that is because. It's not making excuse for a friend. This is making excuses for somebody that Allah has, and Allah and the Messenger has asked. You make excuses for not him, but anybody in that situation, because mm. you know there's you know Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says that you know those that believe and you know and those people who make a statement, but their heart is content in faith. So mm. this whole idea of being content, you know, is quite interesting because. Ikrah is of different types. I mean, scholars, even you know, contemporary scholars, are talking about this. Ikrah can be of different types. You know, a person can be um, pushed into misspeaking something based upon pressure. If you've ever been interviewed by by a, by, a, by a newscast and they put you on the spot, hmm. that is that no pressure? Now, did yeah. you make a mistake? There is, if you even say one percent possibility. In procedural Islamic law, me as a scholar, I cannot deny and under relegate that one one percent. Mm-hmm. Who's saying this? This is every single scholar that will listen to this will know this. If you're illiterate in Islamic studies, that's not my problem. Okay, and the fact could be that it comes out of ignorance. Now you could say, well, he said I can't change scripture, but. What is he thinking about? He may, I mean, this is again the one percent possibility. He has to clarify yeah, it's, this. Yes, yeah, he could have thought. No, no, not sound. But he could have thought. I mean, I'm just saying. Look, what could he say to me, or somebody like that situation say to me? He could say, "Well, I thought, you know, non-Muslims, if they have gay sex, they're not obliged to, you know, have. Faith. They're not Muslims anyway. So the idea of a sin for a non-Muslim, you know, in fact, this has its core in a whole dif- difference between the Hanafis and the and the Shafis and Malikis on whether." Disbelievers are ordered 
to you know with the furu' which is the details of Islamic mm-hmm. law which mm-hmm. the Hanafis say they're not but it doesn't Small affect thing. this is a misunderstanding if you apply that here but it is you know a possibility I'm saying the shubha is there and the, the jahil is there and the possibility of ikra which is coercion of some sort psychological or whatever and pressure or whatever and you know people in public life you ask Allah to protect you from being in public life if you're listening mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. sitting and eating your getting ready for iftar and just having your comments on on Facebook and doing videos is not going to help, not going to cut to cut the mustard here. And the thing I did mention in that video is that I thought he was he thought he was clever. He thought he was smart. He mm. thought he could bring together a discussion about you know legislation which is secular and religious teaching. He thought he could do it with a soundbite. He and he made a massive massive error of judgment and compacted with this idea of pressure. That is sufficient in procedural Islamic law for you not to make a decision to issue a video to say that a specific person is a kafir. Mm-hmm. Now then, what is it then? His policies, his public positions, all of that is is something that the community should have been aware of. I was aware of them for a long time. Now the community, if they're negligent of his and other politicians' views, they need to wake up. You know, if they're not aware of these and they've not engaged and they've not done anything and, and they wake up when something like this happens, it indicates the extreme naivety of our community. Yeah. And the extreme naivety in how politics works, how legislation works, how the whole political structure works, how lobbying works, how we need to create lobby systems in our community. That is it. So there's no naivety here. There's no personal, um, you know, friendships, you know, yeah. relationship at all. You know this. He knows it. I yep. know it. My everyone who knows me knows that. Okay, it means that this issue is an issue of takfir, and the, you know the the. the and it's a serious matter. It's a serious matter that needs to be addressed by a person who is well versed in theology. So, I, I will um, sit with scholars. I will sit with scholars, and they can sit with me, and together we can discuss these issues. That's the whole point. Yeah. Not with a person who doesn't even know the danger and the context of making a video. Directly accusing somebody of not not de- declaring he's saying he's excommunicated. Who gives mm. him the authority? Who gives him the knowledge qualifications? By his very act, shows his inability to understand the procedural issues of that. He could have made an excellent move video on this statement, guys. This statement is kufar. Anyone who makes it intentionally is a kafir. Ahlan wa sahlan. Do it. Perfect. It's not a problem at all. Do you understand? Yeah. The moment you make an excommunication, you know that thing I talked about um, in in Birmingham, this person was attacked, his family was in there sleeping in their beds, attacked by people who were basically incited by this person to basically say, why is he walking about the streets of Birmingham? His family Mm. was attacked, somebody could have got killed. And so our community, I'm I'm quite, I mean, people know that I get angry and Mm. I am extremely angry with the community because Everybody is just running about having scholars not educating themselves in these topics, telling me, oh, what should we do with this? Oh, I heard about this now and I've read about this. Well, you should have been reading about this because it's fardain to know about the issues of LGBT issues, the lobby, the pressure that people are under, the pressure families are under, the, the danger of your children being taken out of your, your houses. This is all real challenges and nobody's been talking about them. And all of a sudden something like this happens, everyone wakes up. Yep. And so, oh, you know, you know Allah, accept your fasts. You know, you're about to open your fast, Allah, accept them. And the people who remain, you have kept their tongues 
um, free from um, other people's flesh. May Allah give them you know, good food to eat, the flesh of things that are permitted, not the flesh of things that are not permitted. But wallahi, this fitna, you, you, if you want to know something, you know, this issue of takfir, one of my teachers in 2013, I finished a book to a group of Egyptian students on, in, in Balagha, and um, sorry, Qatr um, Nadan in grammar. We finished it, and the end of it was, was, the, was, was, the, was the blessed signature of one of my teachers, Abu, Abu Atiyah, from Damascus, 2013, March. This is almost a, 10 years away. And, you know, so he, he, we did it in 2003. I finished this book in 2013. When I finished it, I told my students, look, this guy, this teacher, blessed teacher, his father was decapitated and put in front of his door because they considered Abu Atiyah to be a kafir. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? His father was, they found his father, they decapitated him and placed him in front of his son's house. Now you tell, look, look around the Muslim, look around the Muslim world and you tell me that the, the careless use of takfir is something that we should allow to happen over my dead body. Yeah. Do you understand? If you've got the guts to do this stuff over my dead body. He said, oh my, this community, this, I, I talk, and I care about the Scottish community more than any other community. Because I've taught there and I've made sure that people who, are, who have extreme views are not going to be teaching in our country. That thing, you know, people, you need to listen, about, listen to this, that your deen is a very serious thing. Keep it to those that are close to you in your communities, your imams that are close to you, the people that you know, not people on the internet. They have no sure. idea of context. Have, you have no idea of the qualifications. And just because... It entertains me while you're having your iftar is not a good enough reason to to actually propagate what they're saying. لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له له الملك وله الحمد في هذه الخير يحيي ويميت ولا كل شيء قدير جزاك الله خير شيخ. I think it's been loud and very clear, and may Allah subhanahu wa taala protect our community and also uh, deal with those who have tried to play with people's lives, their faith. Uh, appropriately and aptly and uh, we all pray inshallah for your protection for our brother's protection and also uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala no no we don't those. pray we don't pray for my protection or the brother's but we don't, we we don't we do. anybody we specific do. we're talking we about do. the fact that our community cannot just be given uh, a, a message which which will lead down to people with mental illnesses attacking I was almost attacked in Glasgow in summer by somebody mentally deranged quoting Imran Hussein's uh, speeches who had just come out of a mental hospital. Hmm. Hmm. This is the kind of people in the street. If your message gets to that person, they will do something. And who's responsible? You'll be responsible on the Day of Judgment and now as well. If they don't care, they do not care. If they did, they wouldn't do what they did. They do not care. We have to care. And the community has to take responsibility collectively. And people who are thinking people, people who, are, who own the pulpit, they need to wake up. They need to do a lot more than they've been doing. They need to educate themselves and they need to educate community as well. And inshallah, uh, together we will be doing it and we will not we will not just stay back and not speak. We will keep speaking, inshallah. Uh, with this, uh, I ask all the listeners to keep us in your prayers and also equip yourself with true knowledge um, and true iman through teachers who are blessed and who have the qualification and the sincerity to teach what is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through our messenger alayhi salatu wassalam. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.
وعليكم السلام ورحمة الله وبركاته